0: So, uh, so far in this series, we have received biblical counsel on how we can improve our lives this year. And, and the counsel that we've seen so far is that in week one, uh, we found that to improve life this year, we need to enthrone God, that we need to take ourselves down off the throne of our lives, and we need to allow God to ascend the throne of our lives. And then the second week, Of the series, we uh, saw in the scriptures the importance of connecting with God more. uh, That we just can't grow in faith and we can't become the people that God wants us to be uh, when we just don't uh, bother to attend to our relationship with God. And so, like any relationship, we have to invest in that relationship, and so we need to connect. Uh, with God more. And then a couple of weeks ago, we found that to improve our lives this year, we need to rest more. We, we are too busy. We're, we're, we're just stretched too thin. There aren't enough margins in many of our lives. And so if we're going to be the people, grow into the people that God wants us to be, we're going to need to get more rest. And so today we're focusing on the importance of disciplining our thoughts if we want our lives to improve. And so I've simply titled the message, Improve Your Life, Choose Better Thoughts. John Milton in Paradise Lost wrote this uh, memorable line, The mind is its own place, and in itself can make a heaven of hell a hell of heaven. I don't know about you, but in my own life, I have lived out the truthfulness of that statement, and I have lived both sides. Of that statement. I've been in situations before in my life where things actually were not going very well for me, and yet I was in a good place spiritually and emotionally. And then on the other hand, I've had times in my life where any objective observer of my life would say, Brian, things are going pretty well for you right now. You know, you don't have a whole lot to complain about. Life is pretty good, but I was not doing well spiritually, and emotionally. And as the quote from Milton expresses, when I would evaluate uh, those different circumstances, what I found made the difference in either circumstance is what was going on in my mind, what was happening in my thought life, what I was allowing my mind to focus on. In difficult circumstances, but doing well spiritually and emotionally, it was because my mind was focused on things that contributed to my spiritual and emotional well-being. But in good circumstances, but spiritually and emotionally struggling, it was because my mind was focusing on things that undermined my spiritual and emotional well-being. When we fail to discipline our thoughts, when we allow our minds to go wherever they naturally want to go, and when we make room for undisciplined thinking... There is a very destructive nature to undisciplined thoughts that can have devastating consequences on our emotional, our spiritual health, can even lead to devastating consequences for our physical health. And most human beings are susceptible to allowing place in their minds for negative thoughts that undermine spiritual and emotional well being in an article in Psychology Today, a man by the name of Preston Knee lists eight sources of negative thoughts that people struggle with. And I'm sure we could, you know, find more, but these eight were ones that certainly resonated with me, I think will resonate with many of you. And so I wanted to, to share his list of these eight today. The first one is self-defeating talk. I can't. I'm not good enough. I screw everything up. I won't ask for hands, but, you know, think about your own life. How many times have you uh, allowed yourself to entertain self-defeating talk? The second is negative assumptions. Sally didn't talk to me at work today, therefore Sally must not like me. Uh, Of course, she might have just been really busy, but our minds tell us that the reason she did not interact was because she doesn't like us anymore. Bob never asked me to do anything, so I guess Bob thinks he's better than me. Uh, the third, negative comparisons with others. My friend has 2,700 Facebook friends, and I have 12. I don't like that comparison. You know, everything we see on Facebook is fake, right? <laughs> you know, people put their lives on there, it looks great, and then like you, you dig under the surface, you get with them personally, and they tell you their life is falling apart, and you're like, but wait a all those wonderful things on Facebook. Yeah, that's just the good stuff. That doesn't tell the whole story. We, we all tend to put the best stuff on Facebook, except for those who don't. And then that's a whole nother problem. <laughs> <laughs> we should just end Facebook. That would probably be best for all of us. I know some of you like it. Um, She's so pretty, I just feel unattractive next to her. Man, their house is amazing, makes ours look pretty sad. You know, these are the comparisons that we do that just fill our minds with negative stuff. By the way, research indicates that habitual negative social comparisons can cause a person to experience greater stress, anxiety, depression, and self-defeating choices. Negative thoughts, undisciplined thoughts have... Uh, destructive consequences. This is one of the reasons, I'm sorry to pick on Facebook today, but this is one of the reasons that a tool that is meant to connect people together has been proven to cause many people to have damage done to their emotional health. It's because of the comparisons. It's because they don't feel like they're stacking up to what they see of others' lives. Number four, negative ruminations about the past. So negative thoughts about the past the financial decision that's never been recovered from the failed marriage the fact that you never finished college there could be all kinds of things that would fall under that category number 5 difficult people the narcissist the manipulators the intimidators the passive aggressive folks have you noticed that encountering difficult people brings a barrage of negative thoughts into our minds number 6 the desire to blame If my spouse was not so difficult, I could actually be happy. That's just a for instance. If we had... (laughs) I avoided that joke in the first service, but I I couldn't resist the service. If we had more money, life would be better. If my parents did a better job, I wouldn't be so messed up. Habitual blaming, even if there is some validity to what we're complaining about, it damages us. It actually doesn't do much of anything to the person we're we're unhappy about, but it damages us. It leads to bitterness, resentment, leads to feelings of powerlessness, which can lead us into a continual existence where we just, you know, feel this quiet desperation. We're feeling like everything is always stacked against us. Number seven, struggling to forgive yourself. Uh, I have a friend who Uh, confided in me something that he was just devastated by, and I understand why. Uh, He loved his father deeply, but during the period of time that his father was battling cancer that would eventually take his life, this guy and his dad got into some kind of a disagreement about something, and and the fear of losing his dad, and the the mixed emotions of now being angry at his dad and just the pressure they were both under, he snapped and he bit his father. Grown man bit his father. And as he told me this story, he said, I can never forgive myself for that. You know, most of us have a shameful event or two in our lives or three or four when we can never forgive ourselves and move, move past them, we lose the battle of our minds and we unleash destructive forces in our lives. And here's the eighth and final one, fear of failure and making mistakes. I know I'm going to mess this up. What happens if I make a really big mistake? I just, I just cannot stand that thought. And all of these kind of negative things bombard our minds. And if we allow them to take hold in our minds, they have the capacity to unleash, destru- unleash destruction in our lives to destroy our spiritual and emotional well-being. The mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell a hell of heaven. It is because... Destructive, undisciplined thoughts uh, have such a destructive nature that we have to be very intentional about the thoughts that we allow into our minds. We have to choose to reject destructive thoughts and we have to choose better thoughts. Just as we have to choose better food if we want to have better physical health, so we have to choose better thoughts if we want to have spiritual and emotional health. And this isn't just some type of, you know, pop psychology advice. The Bible affirms the importance of controlling our thoughts. The Bible affirms the connection between our thoughts and our spiritual and emotional well-being. The Bible affirms the importance of choosing better thoughts... To live a better life. Now, there's more in the Bible about this than we can cover today, but there are three passages of scripture that I want to uh, share today that each speak to the importance of choosing better thoughts to live a better life. And the first one is found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. By the way, if you don't regularly read through the Proverbs, you really should do that. Uh, the Proverbs are just a wonderful place to go uh, just to get godly wisdom. And uh, you really should make them a regular part of your reading. So here's what Proverbs 4.23 says. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The New Living Translation. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The first thing to understand here is that the the word heart uh, means mind. Uh, What is really being said here is above all else, guard your mind for everything you do flows from it. Your mind determines the course of your life. And I want you to notice the importance that the proverb places on guarding our minds. It is recognized as an above all concern. This isn't a trivial matter. This isn't like, hey, you know, uh, I've noticed you have some negative thoughts, you know, quite a bit of the time, and you know, it'd really be good if you if you like, you know, didn't have so many of those, and you like took control of your thinking. You know, that'd be good. But you know, if you don't want to, that's okay too. Whatever, it's all cool. You know, it's it's not like that. It's above all else, guard your mind. That's how important it is. It has to be right up at the top of the things that we give attention to. And the proverb tells us why it's that important. It's because everything you do flows from your mind. It determines the course of your life. And so what we keep out of our minds and what we let into our minds, these things make a real difference in our lives. The course of our lives can be determined because of what we let in and what we entertain. This is affirmed in Scripture. This is not Zig Ziglar or Tony Robbins. This is the Bible. Guard your mind. Guard your thinking because it determines the course of your life. Friends, we cannot let just anything into our minds if we want to be spiritually and emotionally healthy. We have got to choose what gets in, and we have got to choose what does not get in. And so if you admit today that you're struggling spiritually, struggling emotionally, it's very likely that you stand in need of choosing better thoughts. And so the Bible continues with this counsel in Philippians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So scripture tells us to guard our minds because our minds determine the course of our lives. And then scripture tells us here to think on good things. For spiritual and emotional health, focus your mind on good things. Philippians 4 is just full of good stuff. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always, it tells us. Always. Good times and bad times, rejoice in the Lord. Sunny days and rainy days, rejoice in the Lord. Feeling good or feeling bad, rejoice in the Lord at all times. And then whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy, think on those things. Don't think about other things. Think about those things. And then we're told that if we'll do that, if we'll rejoice in the Lord always, if we'll think on good things, that the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What I want you to Uh, Notice here is that there is a connection between what we think and the experience of peace. All of the negative thoughts that bombard us, all the self-defeating talk, all the negative assumptions, the obsessing over the past, the difficult and mean people, the fear of failure, all of these things conspire to destroy our peace, to destroy our spiritual and emotional well-being. But Paul says that we do not have to allow ourselves to be victimized by negative thoughts. In everything, even in circumstances that understandably would cause a person anxiety, we can have our minds be at peace when we think about the Lord, when we rejoice in Him, and when we choose, 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 to guard our minds from the negative thoughts and engage our minds on the good things. For emotional and spiritual health to have peace, we have to choose better thoughts. And here's what Paul's writing lets us know. We can choose better thoughts. We're not powerless against what gets into our mind. We are not powerless about what we entertain in our mind. Paul would not tell us to think on good things in the context of circumstances that cause anxiety. He would not tell us to do that as a means of accessing the peace of God if we could not do it. We can choose. We can choose. With every negative thought that comes into our minds, we choose what to do with it. We can nurture the negative thought. We can pet it. We can feed it. We can play with it. Or we can reject it. We can swat it away. We can throw it away like a hand grenade with the clip pulled. We cannot control when every negative thought comes at us. But we can control what we do with the thought, how we respond to it. The choice is ours. People are throwing stuff at me. It's a negative thought. His sons are pitchers, but he's not. That was supposed to come up here somewhere. Illustration fail if I have to run the negative thought down. All right. right. Let's see if we can do any better. When someone says something unkind, look at that. I dropped it this time. This went so smoothly in the first service. Good job. You have a better arm than your dad. Yeah. <laughs> Roman, you want to throw it at me? All right. Boy, I just can't catch. So, so when the negative thought finally gets to us after much effort at acquiring it, so, so when that happens, we have a choice to make. What are we going to do with it? You notice it's Sharpie markered to make it look dark and evil. It's a dark and evil tennis ball. But what do we do with it? What do most of us do with it? Hug it. Roll it around in our brains. Play with it. Go take it to work with me. Take it to bed, take it to dinner with my wife. <laughs> we just we just obsess over it. But we should treat it like that hand grenade. Ha ah, ah, ha ah, ha, it's a naked foot! <laughs> this is just not going like the first service. <laughs> they they caught that in the first service. Alright. So someone says something unkind, something says unthought- something unthoughtful. What do we do? We can receive it or we can reject it. Think about the divisions that we face in our country. What do we do with those when they come at us? What happens then? Look at that. They just keep coming and I keep dropping them. Oh! <laughs> Good job, Tirza. That worked. We cannot control when the thoughts come at us. Amen. So we can't control that they get our attention. I mean, I have negative thoughts go through my mind all the time, we cannot control that they come at us, they get our attention, we've thought about them, but we can control what we do with them, and in honor today of Roger Federer's great win this morning, sometimes we have to pull out the big guns with our negative thoughts, sometimes we have to pull out some tools, you know? Uh, Hopefully, we get to the place where we can just reject them, but sometimes we have to use some tools. You know, we could pretend that this is, you know, the Word of God. I could just use the Bible, I guess, but it wouldn't hit it quite the way this will. And uh, so sometimes, you know, we have to get out the big guns, and we have to hit the thoughts away. That was almost disastrous. (laughs) Seriously. You have no idea what I just saw. That was almost disastrous. (laughs) Dear Lord, thank you for protecting me from that disaster. (laughs) All right. So uh, we have to get rid of the negative thoughts. We have to choose what to do with them. So let me go on with my examples that, take my word for it, that worked perfectly in the first service. It just... (laughs) Go back to the divisions we face in our country. We can allow all that negativity into our minds in such a way that we go around miserable all the time. That's something we can do. Or we can intentionally seek out good stories and focus our minds on those. And you know, that is the way it is sometimes. The negative thoughts will bombard you. Like, you you don't have to look for those. They'll just come to you. But sometimes you have to look for the good thoughts to replace them with. You know, sometimes you have to wander around. Okay, okay. There's that negative thought that was thrown at me. There's that negative thought. There's that other one I can't find somewhere. Oh, there it is. Oh, there's a good thought. There's a, there's a bright, shiny tennis ball. There's a good thought. And that one I'm going to hold on to. And that one I will nurture. And that one I, I will think about. And that one I will take to dinner with my wife. And, and that one I will share with other people. It's a, it's a good thought. And so we choose what we reject, we choose what we take in. Here are some of the things we can replace those negative thoughts with. We replace them with memories of kindnesses that have been done to us. We've all had kindnesses done to us. We just have to remember them. We have to be better, we have to be better at remembering them. We can replace them with nature walks that remind us of the beauty of God's creation. Have you ever realized we live in a fallen world we, we have never seen the world in its unfallen condition, but isn't it incredible how even in its fallen state, it is so beautiful? Amen. The handiwork of God is so amazing, even though it's been marred by sin. We can replace negative thoughts with memories of a kind word spoken to us by a teacher years ago. I, I have a kind word spoken to me by a sixth grade teacher that I uh, pull out every once in a while and and I remember that because it was such an encouraging thing. We can replace our negative thoughts with uh, uh, thoughts of how we want to go about helping other people. For me, when I'm tempted with negative thoughts, I'll often choose to focus my thoughts on my children. I like them. <laughs> Even when they're at their worst, I like them. It's a, it's a good thought. It's a, it's a thought that reminds me of things that are important. Sometimes, if it's really rough, I resort to thinking about my dog. She's faithful, loyal. She never argues with me. She is demanding about the treats, but I'm used to that with Michelle, so it's not that big a deal. She she never argues with me she always wants to be close to me and she looks at me with great respect and admiration. And so, just like Michelle, that's right. And so, it's a good thought. Here's the point of all of this, okay? We are not powerless against destructive thoughts because we can choose our thoughts. We can choose to reject The negative thoughts. We can choose better thoughts. So the Bible tells us to guard our minds. The Bible tells us to think on good things. And then we find a number number of helpful things in Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Now, I'm not going to read all of those verses today, but I want to highlight a few. So here's how it starts. Since then, you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then verses 5 through 14 are basically an appeal for us as believers to turn away from sinful practices and to actually become the people that God desires for us to be, the people that Christ died so that we could become. And then we pick up again in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So guard your minds, Scripture tells us. Think on good things, Scripture tells us. And now we're told, set your minds on things above where Christ is. When destructive thoughts flood into our minds, one of the greatest ways to take control of that situation is to focus our thoughts on things above where Jesus is. Focus our thoughts on heaven. Focus our thoughts on Christ seated at the right hand of God. When we elevate our thinking from earthbound to heavenly, things get put in their proper perspective for us. The negative thoughts are put in their proper place and they are exposed as not nearly as important compared to the heavenly things, the eternal things, the things that are above. You know, when I remember that all the junk of this life isn't even worth comparing to the life that is to come, my troubles here get put in their proper perspective. When I remember that there's a day when God's going to wipe every tear from our eyes and God's going to make all things new, things are put in their proper perspective perspective. When I realize that what is ahead of me and what is ahead of you, all of us who have trusted in Christ for salvation is an eternity of good health and peace and joy and worship and fellowship, things are put in perspective. My spirit is lifted because I've thought on good things. I've allowed my mind to be lifted to the things That are above. And notice that choosing to think on things above protects us not just from destructive thoughts, but from destructive actions. The entire context of what we've read in Colossians is how we turn away from sinful habits that harm us and begin to live like the people that God wants us to be. And so, a key to doing that is that we elevate our thoughts from earthly to heavenly. And here's something I thought of as I was thinking about this idea of lifting our thoughts heavenward, you know, when I was a kid and we would drive in the car, I was constantly looking, you know, outside. I was constantly looking at the scenery, the landscape, the, the cityscapes. I mean, every city that we would drive through on our uh, path from Texas back to Ohio for the summer, I, I knew what every city looked like. I knew certain, uh, you, you know, geographical markings that we would pass. I loved to take in the scenery what do our kids do now? They miss, it. They miss everything. They, they, they just don't get uh, that constant taking in of the beauty of God's creation and, and all of the interesting things that you see when you just look around. And so if you're like me, you're probably constantly finding yourself when you're coming up on a, a, a nice bit of scenery that's out ahead of you on the road. You say, hey, hey. Look up. Stop, stop looking at your phone. Look up. Look, look what's ahead of us. Look at those mountains. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? And, and that's something that we need to do spiritually is we need to look up from the things of this life. We need to look out the windshield of our lives. And even though scripture tells us that it's sort of a, 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 you know, a glass darkly that we look through, we can still see through it enough That we know what's coming. We see this beautiful thing that's getting closer and closer and closer, and that we're about to arrive at. We're not there yet, but it's getting closer. And when we lift our eyes up from the things of this earth, heavenward, and we see what's coming our direction, it does great things in our minds, it does great things for our lives. It can turn the worst day into a good day if you really believe it and you really allow yourself to see it with your spiritual eyes. And then Colossians 3 gives us some other tools that can encourage above thinking. Verse 15 commends thankfulness. One of the greatest weapons we have against negative and destructive thoughts is to recount all that we have to be thankful for. When we discipline ourselves to shift our thinking from our troubles to our blessings, great things happen in our hearts, great things happen in our minds. And here's the reality. And, you know, I've been at places where I couldn't grab hold of this truth. And, and, you know, some of you have been, maybe you're at right now. But it's true, nonetheless. Even in the worst times, there is always something to be thankful for. There's always something to be thankful for. We just have to choose the better thought. And scripture affirms for us over and over again that we can choose that thought. Colossians 3 also references admonishing one another. Admonishing one another with all wisdom. There is a role for Christian brothers and sisters to play in keeping our thoughts focused in a healthy direction. Now, I've kind of sensed that, you know, you're tracking with me today. You're affirming the message and I might lose you on this point. But I hope not because this is just as true as the other things. There should be someone in each of our lives who can have an honest talk with us from time to time and warn us that our negative thoughts that that we're entertaining... Negative attitudes that, that we're entertaining are beginning to have a destructive influence on our lives. There should be somebody who can hold us accountable for our thought life. There should be someone who should be able to kindly and gently say to you, Look, I have to be honest. I feel like you've entered into a pattern of a lot of negativity and it's starting to have a lot of damage to you and people around you. And I just want to alert you to that. They should be able to do that without you getting angry at them and deciding they aren't such a good friend after all and ending the friendship. And everybody said amen. Amen. (laughs) You really should have that kind of person in your life. And you should have grace for them they might get an itchy trigger finger once in a while. They might alert you when it wasn't really justified. And while you don't have to accept it, if it doesn't resonate with you, you should not be angry with them because here's the truth. It is, easy, it is better for someone to be too quick to warn you than too late to warn you because negative thoughts do horrible damage to our lives. But then as the person who maybe has been given the permission to hold someone accountable, then we have to be sensitive. Every negative comment is not an indication of a deep problem in someone's heart and mind. I can still complain about bad service at a restaurant, and I have not descended into destructive thoughts. It doesn't mean, you know, you're the canary in the coal mine and you, you know, keel over every time they happen to say any word that sounds negative. It means you are alert. You are watching for signs that they are descending into habitual negativity that's hurting their lives. And so we need people to be accountable to in this area. We're given other tools for thinking on things above. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing to God, Uh, All of these are things that lift our thoughts from the earthly to the heavenly, from the temporal to the eternal. We have to guard our minds. We've got to reject negative thoughts and replace them with good thoughts. And here is something that is very true music and singing seem to be gifts that God has given us that are especially effective, exceptionally effective. At lifting our minds and spirits out of negativity and replacing our thoughts with things that are uplifting and inspiring and affirming. That's one of the reasons why the first 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes of our service is such an important time. It's not just a prelude to uh, to the sermon, that's not what it is. It's an important time of Allowing our spirits to be lifted out of negativity that we might have come in here with and replacing that negativity with thoughts of God and his goodness and his beauty and his majesty. You see, singing elevates our thinking. And that's why it's important to participate when you're here. Not to let that opportunity go because it is an opportunity to replace negative thoughts with inspiring thoughts, life-affirming thoughts instead of life-destroying thoughts. And then verse 17 gives us another tool to encourage above thinking. Here's what it says. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you think, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. What this verse reminds us of is that God is Lord of everything, including our thoughts. And this is meant to remind us, to encourage us, that we must surrender our thoughts to him. Choosing better thoughts is a part of surrendering to God's lordship over our entire lives. So the reality is, All of us are susceptible to undisciplined negative thoughts that have the power to unleash damage in our lives to bring destruction to us. Those thoughts lead to anxiety and discouragement, low self-esteem, anger, depression, and all kinds of destructive things. Those thoughts lead to actions. They lead to sinful actions that can enslave us. The scripture is right, the proverb is right, that the mind determines the course of our lives. And so we have to embrace this truth that what we allow into our minds is important. And we have to believe and we have to accept that we are not helpless against our negative thoughts. We're just not. Here's what we have learned from the scriptures today. We are to guard our minds. We are to think on good things. We are to set our minds on things above All of those things involve each of us individually choosing to do them. It is within each of our ability, empowered by God's Spirit, to choose better thoughts that lead to life. We do not have to be victimized by negative thoughts that bring death. And here's something that each of us need to face. None of us can do this for each other. Nobody else can do this for you. I cannot encourage you in the way that you need encouraged. I can offer you a word of encouragement, but I'm powerless with what you do with it. I can say something encouraging to you, but you have to choose to think about that instead of the negative words somebody spoke to you the day before. You can be kind to me, but I have to focus on your kindness instead of the nastiness of the person I was dealing with before you walked up. We each choose what we're going to focus on. No one can choose better thoughts for us. We have to choose them for ourselves. Here's what this means. The responsibility for our emotional and spiritual health, let me make it more personal, the responsibility for your emotional and spiritual health, the the responsibility for taking hold of the peace that God offers you, the responsibility for choosing thoughts that lead to life instead of thought that lead to destruction and death, the responsibility for that rests with you. It doesn't rest on me. It doesn't rest on our elders. It doesn't rest on our ministry leaders. It doesn't rest on your family members. It doesn't rest on your mom or your dad, your brother, your uncle, doesn't rest on any of those people. The responsibility for your spiritual and emotional well-being rests on you. So you've got to choose. You've got to choose. So if we want to live better lives in 17 than we did in 16, if we want to experience peace and joy instead of fear and anger and self-loathing and all of that stuff, if we want to be emotionally and spiritually healthy people, We have to choose better thoughts. And so as we wrap up today, I just want to leave you with a few suggestions that I want to encourage anybody that this message has resonated with at all to consider uh, taking some action steps that I want you to consider taking. Here's the first one. If you recognize today that you are a person who's been entertaining a lot of negative thoughts, this message applies to you, begin to pray about this. Now, I know that seems obvious, but I'll make an admission. Sometimes I get pretty deep into a problem and suddenly the realization dawns on me, I've never prayed about that. What's wrong with me? Why am I this deep into this problem and I've never prayed about it? And that may may be the case for you. you. You may recognize that negative thinking is a big problem for you and you may have never taken it to the Lord in prayer. So begin to pray about it. Ask God to help you take those negative thoughts captive. Ask God to empower you to be able to replace negative thoughts with good thoughts, to replace negative thoughts with thoughts of things above. Here's the second suggestion. Make the habit at the start of every day or at the end of every day, if that's when you struggle, or or both, or four or five times a day, however many times a day you're struggling with negative thoughts, make a habit to Verbally, audibly state things in your life that you recognize as good things. Make a list of your blessings audibly. If anyone hears you, you'll sound like a crazy person, but that'll be okay because you'll actually be protecting your uh, emotional well-being. So make a list of the things that you have to be thankful for. Here's the third one. Start listening to more uplifting music and singing songs that are uplifting. You know, I have no problem with different types of music. You know, I, I used to laugh at him when I was young, but as I've gotten older, you know, I've kind of gotten into a little Willie Nelson and, you know, some, uh, some of these songs. But, you know, the messages of a lot of that stuff really isn't very uplifting. It, it's all kind of discouraging in a lot of ways. Start listening to more uplifting music, singing songs that are uplifting, recognizing music and singing as a tool that God has given us to focus our thoughts in the right direction. Here's the fourth one. Discipline yourself throughout the day to think about heavenly things. Write yourself a reminder. Noon today, turn my thoughts to heaven. Put it on on your daily planner. Noon today, I'm gonna think about heaven. Do it. Think about what lies ahead of us. Yeah, we're looking through a glass darkly, but we know what's ahead. We we see well enough to, to see what's coming. We know it's getting closer. And so think about those things. And then the fifth one, find someone you trust and invite them to hold you accountable if they begin to see evidence of you nurturing negative thinking. Give them permission to point it out and then commit in your heart that you will not get angry with them when they do. The mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell a hell of heaven. Thankfully, we get to choose and we can choose. So, if we want to make our lives better in 2017, we have to choose better thoughts. Let's commit to doing that. Why don't you stand? The worship team is going to come and lead us in a closing song or two. I want to invite the prayer ministry team to slip up here quickly. So I think the prayer appeal is pretty obvious today. My request of you is that you not allow this moment to get past you without taking some action if anything that's been talked today has resonated in your heart. So if you're here today and you recognize that you regularly are giving in to negative thinking, negative thoughts, and you recognize that those thoughts are having a destructive impact on your life, I am appealing to you to come and receive prayer. You see, I think that God puts us in situations like this. God has a pastor like me, talk about a topic on given days because he knows that in that service there are going to be certain people that need to hear that and and he has purposed by, uh, by his will that this is the day that he wants to help somebody with these things. And so if you're here today, you should see this as like a divinely orchestrated opportunity to break free from the stuff that has held you in bondage. And so you shouldn't just easily dismiss this moment and go out. You should like really consider responding. You know, the Holy Spirit is here to, to do something for you today. And so if you're, you know, you're given to, to these kind of negative thoughts and, and you recognize it's doing damage in your life, let me remind you of some of them. Self-defeating talk, negative assumptions, negative comparisons with others negative thoughts about the past, responding poorly to difficult people, the desire to blame, struggling to forgive yourself, uh, fear of failure and making mistakes. If any of that is something that you recognize in your life, you should step out of your seat over these next few moments and come and get prayer. You don't have to go into great detail. Just say, it applied to me. I want prayer. If you want to give more detail, you can. But you really ought to come because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something good for you today wants to empower you to think better thoughts that lead to life. That's what I think he wants to do for you. So as they lead us, why don't you come? God bless you.